This is Parsha Panorama, and this week's Parsha is Parsha's Hazinu, here at the database with Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg. And indeed, it is still Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg, even though my voice might sound a little bit different in this recording. And that is because this recording is taking place right after Yom Kippur. It is Isru Chag and Baruch Hashem. Maybe you can tell from my voice right now it was a good one, or at least it felt like one. I guess we'll know within the year. Bez Ras Hashem. But uh, let's not forget the Parsha HaShavua. And even though um, this year falls out right after Yom Kippur, we have Friday, just today, Erev Shabbos, to discuss it because, you know, we've just been very consumed with the Yom Nuraim. But Parsha Hazinu, as maybe you already saw in Musr Minutes, which I posted earlier today, at least at the moment of this recording, um, we spoke a little bit about some of the aspects of Yom Amnurayim as they apply to this week's Parsha, Parsha's Hazinu, which often um, coincides with Shabbos Shuvah, which is not the case this year. But there is still plenty to discuss, and the truth is that Parsha's Hazinu really requires Parsha Panorama just as much as any other Parsha, if not more. So it doesn't have the complexity in terms of how many mitzvahs we find in the Parsha, like there are other Parshas that we've had in this uh, long series where we had to address a structure for all the different mitzvah topics. Here, it's a very different kind of a challenge, and that is because Parsha's Hazinu is almost written in a different language. It's written in, in a different form. It's, a, it's written in the, in the form of a shira, the form of a song, which is similar to what we saw for other such famous passages like Az Yashir. And there were smaller um, songs th- throughout the Torah that you find, and many more throughout Navi and Ksuvim. But in the meantime, we have to try to understand what exactly the song of Hazinu is about in all its complexity, in all its esoteric um, wording and, 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 and verbiage. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's very, um, it, it's lyrical, obviously. Um, it's, it's all made of text, so it's, it's all going to have words. All right, every Parsha has words. That's not a Chiddush in this Parsha. Um, but the Chiddush is the, the, the nature of the language, the dialect, the poetic form. So that is something that sometimes can lose people because we just don't understand what the song is about. But there is a push-up shot to the song, and that push-up shot, when you wake yourself up a little bit and try to read it and understand it, even the push-up shot, you still kind of end up scratching your head as to what the point of the song is, as we're going to see. And this is really a question that I started addressing last week by Parshas Vayelach, and that is that you get this impression that, you know, at the end of Parshas Vayelach, where Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu that despite all of the admonition throughout Sefer Devarim, we could not find a better source of Moshe, a better source of inspiration than everything that we've seen in Sefer Devarim, from Parshas Ves, Chanon, to, you know, the, there's the history, there is the, the review, the all the pepping and prepping that Moshe Rabbeinu has been working on in terms of Parshas Akev. So we spoke about Avas Hashem and Yiras Hashem and the thing that Hashem asks of us, what can we do? All the important things, all the warnings against Avodah Zarah, everything that we've seen throughout Sefer Devarim, the Tochacha, the list can go on. 
And yet Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu that all will fail, essentially. He tells Moshe Rabbeinu that the Bnei Israel they will not be on the right path forever, but eventually they will go as far as serving Avodah Zarah. So it's not just they're going to be off the derech, but they're going to be serving Avodah Zarah. And this is troubling on uh, multiple accounts, um, but, but, well, but one of those counts is that what happens to Bechir Chavshis, right? So there is a Rambam in Hilchas Tshuva that actually talks about the Pesukim at the end of Vayelach, and he explains that it doesn't really conflict with free choice. He gives two explanations as to why that is. One, he, the Rambam says that um, the Hashem was describing what's going to happen to the nation, meaning any individual has free choice to go against the current. Any individual has the choice whether or not he's going to serve Avodah or serve Hashem, whether he's going to fulfill the Torah or not. But Hashem says that the nation um, is going to fail. So that's that's ambiguous enough, right? Just um, and, he, and the, the Rambam in the same in the same chapter in the same parak of Hilchas Tshuva, he talks about um, the Brisbane Abbasarim, how the Bnei Israel were or, or were destined to be um, in Gullis in a, in, a, in a foreign land, and he explains how nonetheless, even uh, even so, Mitzrayim and Paro had free choice, um, but. So that's one aspect that the Rambam talks about. And another explanation the Rambam gives is that Hashem is not is, is not deciding what's going to happen. He's not taking away free choice. He's explaining what the natural course is going to be like. That if things go according to the natural design, the Bnei Israel will end up failing. Okay, so the Rambam you know, gives those explanations. And what both of these explanations do for us is they, they, they restore... Um, the free choice in this circumstance, that even when things are really stacked against um, somebody, so in this case, you know, you have um, the seeming, um, uh, the, 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 the nature's course, which is in the wrong direction, or it's in a direction for, 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 um, for one to fail, he could always go against it, even if things are pushing him in one direction. And then, of course, is the, the the former explanation that we just gave, that no individual was doomed to fail. Just a, a group of people, an ambiguous group of people was doomed to fail. Nonetheless, it doesn't seem to be very encouraging, right? And then when you get to Parshas Hazinu, so what exactly was the point of Hazinu? So we mentioned last week, it's introduced at the end of Ayelach. Hashem tells Moshe, so here's what you and Yehoshua are going to do. You are going to teach Bnei Israel, this song, and somehow um, this song serves as a testimony and somehow serves as something that's going to somehow be helpful, despite the fact that the Bnei Israel are going to fail, that they're going to stray, that they're going to veer off of the Derech HaEmes. So the question is how, how it should do that. Uh, you get the impression that somehow this song is going to be helpful. It's not just helpful, but hopeful. That the, that this song is the last hope for Klai Israel. When every other word that Moshe Rabbeinu has uttered in Devarim will have failed, um, so somehow this song is going to be the thing that will succeed. So that's the impression you get. The problem is that when you get to the, the, the text, of Shira Sazinu, when you get to the content of Shira Sazinu, you don't really feel that it's very helpful and or very hopeful, I should say. 
And so we have to address that. Let's talk about exactly what is what is discussed in this song. And then we'll try to come back to this very important question of how does it help? Okay, so so and really we can argue that there's really one section to Hashira's Hazino. It's just the song, but that's not helpful because we need to know what the song is about. So there really is a there's a Svarno, and my older brother of Daniel Eisenberg, he um, showed me this Svarno a number of years ago, and it really does a great um, Parsha Panorama esque job at breaking down Shiras Hazino, which we will do. But before we do that, I'm going to just give you three basic sections to this Parsha before we break down one of the sections into smaller subsections. So if that wasn't confusing, um, then great. Um, but here's the idea. Part one of the Parsha is the song itself, Shiras Hazinu. We'll explain its components very soon. Part two is really an epilogue to Shiras Hazinu, where Moshe Rabbeinu urges the people to take the song seriously, to take it to heart. It says, Simu Lavavchem, place it to your hearts. That's another way of saying, take it seriously, take it to heart. So we have the song, Moshe Rabbeinu saying, hey, take it seriously. And then part three is where Hashem actually sends off Moshe, reminding him of May Mariva. May Mariva, where you failed, where you hit the rock and failed to sanctify my name. So because of that, you're not going to get to go into Eretz Yisrael. You can go up to the mountain, you can look at the land, but that's it. And meanwhile, you should uh, you should ascend to Har Nevo, where you're going to die. So then this is the last piece before we get to Vizos Habracha, where Moshe Rabbeinu gives his actual final words to Klal Yisrael, something we'll talk about next week. While we are mentioning that, I guess this is also a good time to mention that we are really nearing the end of the Parsha Panorama series, which leaves to be uh, to be determined what we will possibly do for the coming year, even though uh, I've only been getting busier, but, um, but uh, possible options that maybe if we have recommendations of what we can do for a Parsha series for the coming year, Ezra Hashem, I'm open to recommendations. I'm hoping for and looking for an idea that will be a series that is shorter than this one, um, where, where we, weekly episodes will be shorter. That's my goal right now. Um, if you could help me with that. So, you know, we have Muslim minutes, which is great. Um, and it, it gives you, you know, fewer than 10 minutes, sometimes even fewer than five minutes on each Parsha with an idea that you can take away. Um, but I was thinking something you know, more formalized, more structured. But, you know, uh, it'll, it'll be um, dependent on time and dependent on the quality of the idea. So if you have recommendations, if you have any suggestions, please reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. That's the data then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. And you can make a recommendation there. Also, if you want to sponsor Shiorim, you want to sponsor podcasts, um, or the Chizuk and Tefillah that we do in the Baltzvila workshop, or any of the others, so please reach out to me there as well. I'm happy to do these. Um, I, you know, there there is a small expense from me. There's a time expense for sure um, to prepare and to record. But um, I'm I'm really I'm like I'm I'm happy and ecstatic to do it. But anyone who wants to get a chaylik in it and can even give assistance to it, so um, the sponsorship, no, no matter how small, is appreciated. So just let me know at the database at gmail.com. The data then base b e i s. At gmail.com. Okay, let's get back to the Parsha. So, 
we have the three parts that we just mentioned. We have Shiras Hazinu, the song itself. We have the epilogue where Moshe Rabbeinu urges the people to take it to heart. Simu Levavchem, Kilo Davareikumikem. It's not an empty matter. On the contrary, Kihu Chayechem, It is your life and length of days. Take everything in this song seriously. And then part three is Hashem sending Moshe Rabbeinu off to get him ready to die because of May Mariva. Okay, so let's talk about this song. And there are really two parts that we have to focus on. Part number one is the actual content. Let's just talk about what's in it, what's in the song, what's the song about, and then we'll come back to question number one, which was how does the song serve its seemingly intended purpose of keeping the B'nai Israel connected, the, uh, the, the uh, providing of hope for a seemingly hopeless situation. So let's go back to the... Uh, so the Parsha itself, what is the song about? So here's where we get back to that Svarno that I mentioned earlier. So the Svarno breaks down the Parsha, in, uh, or really the song, into a few different parts. And I kind of made my own notes based on the Svarno. So what I'm giving you is based on the Svarno, but it's my own, uh, you can say, version, uh, my own summary of the Svarno summary. Okay, so first we have an intro. The intro is Hazinu Hashemayim Vadebeira Vesishma Haaretzimrefi. Moshe Rabbeinu says, "Well, um, the the heavens should give ear, and then I'll speak, and then the earth should hear the expressions of my mouth." So this is the introduction. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, um, "Okay, do I have an audience?" And apparently, the audience is the Shemaim and the Aretz. Interestingly enough, the audience you might think should have been Klal Yisrael, right? That he's teaching the song to Klal Yisrael, but the song itself is talking to heaven and earth. And this we already um, would have known if we were looking closely at the end of Parshas Vayelech, you would have known that. Because there, when Hashem and Moshe Rabbeinu are discussing this song, so there they already decided that Shemaim and Aretz are going to be the Edim. They're going to be the witnesses to everything that's going to take place. And therefore, they are the ones that are being addressed here. Rashi gives a couple of different explanations of of uh, why Shemayim and Aretz are being called upon, being summoned to, to bear testimony. And um, so uh, on the one hand, um, for example, Rashi points out that Shemayim and Aretz, um, in a certain sense, are immortal, they're eternal. Not like Hashem himself, but these are, these are things that will outlive all humankind. Anyone, you know, um, 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 a human can theoretically maybe lie, maybe a human didn't hear all the information. Shemayim and Aretz are something that are never going to be misbattled, mis- they're never going to be nullified. Shemayim and Aretz are the perfect witnesses. It's almost like saying, with God is my witness. Here it's saying, heaven and earth are my witnesses. And then Rashi quotes, based on the Medrash, another explanation, that Shemayim and Aretz are not just the Edim, but in a certain sense, they are the executioners. Because the Shemayim, Klaistar relies on the Shemayim to give forth the rain for doing the right thing, and the earth to yield produce for when they do the right thing. And we know based on the parsha of Ahayoim Shemoah, at the end of parsha Sekem, just for example, that there are times where if we don't do the right thing, then Shemayim and Aretz will withhold rain and, and the yield of produce. So, so we see that Shemayim and Aretz sometimes get in on the action, as it were, 
when it comes to how Hashem is going to treat us based on whether or not we keep to our, our end of the covenant. So, um, so Shemayim and Aretz are called upon to bear testimony. And with the Shemayim and Aretz in mind, the song switches gears slightly to talk about the origins of Kla Yisrael, starting with creation. And we know that Shemayim and Aretz are the first aspects of creation, so in this particular case, Hashem goes through the history of the world. And there are actually several parallels between Shir's Hazinu and the narrative of creation as it's described in Bereshus. This is an idea that I, that I, I, I observed on my own, but I, I saw that Rabbi Foreman also had um, a piece on this um, in one of his videos. But anyway, um, the, the story of creation is told. And it's told um, with the description of Hashem as a mother bird hovering over um, the, the, the world and hovering over mankind. Mankind was the gem of creation. And ultimately, it had to be narrowed down. We spoke about this really in several Parsha panoramas, um, too many to count at this point. But really, the, uh, the Shiraz Hazinu does what we do in Parsha Panorama. It, it reminds us of the very first points of, of history and the Torah at large and, and brings us to this point. Right, and that, that, that's really what it does. It says, okay, remember Hashem created a world, and Hashem wanted to give good to mankind, and Hashem had to narrow things down because mankind largely failed, so Hashem had to start with a nation. Um, he started first with a part, with an individual and a family, and that was Avram Avinu, then um, from Avram Avinu came um, eventually the Bnei Israel. I guess, uh, yeah, skipping a couple of generations, but basically we started to bear the mission of mankind, which is to fulfill Hashem's Ratzon, to be the conduits through which the world can receive blessing. And because of that, Hashem coddled us. And so um, in part two of the song, after introducing it, that Moshe Rabbeinu is about to, uh, is about to um, give this speech um, in the earshot of, of Shemayim and Aretz, or really as uh, Shemayim and Aretz as his audience, and it's being given in the earshot of Kla Yisrael. So um, he starts off with, with that introduction. Then he says, oh, by the way, there was something called creation, and here's where creation led. Then from that point, part three, is where Shira Sazinu describes the Bnei Yisrael's betrayal of Hashem. Right, Despite everything, despite where we came from, and there are allusions to the fact that the Bnei Israel were enslaved in Mitzrayim, and this was part of their selection process. Hashem teaching Klai Yisrael, taking Klai Yisrael by the hand, and putting him on, putting Klai Yisrael on the back of his eagle's wings. So this um, this is all that Hashem had done for us. And yet, the Bnei Israel they were spoiled and fattened. And from, from, from the coddling and all that Hashem had done for them, that they just simply forgot Hashem. And this is just one of the reasons why we have to experience so many um, unpleasant things in this world, because we just don't appreciate Hashem being there for us. And so the, the, the song describes what seems to be a vicious cycle, um, a cycle that's repeated throughout history, but no less in the Torah, no less in the times of the Navi, that we would betray Hashem. And then the response to that is what I have as 
part four of the song, which is the Hester Panim. Hashem describes that he's going to hide his face, that there's going to be Sheibod Malchios, subjugation at the hands of the enemy nations, the foreign nations of the world, the same nations that we're supposed to be inspiring by being a light unto them, and those nations are the ones that are enslaving us, um, subjecting us, and subjugating us, and that is because we haven't done our part. So when we haven't done our part, so forget inspiring them, we're going to be at their mercy, and, and, and we're going to be influenced by them, which is obviously the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing, but when we haven't done our job, what other options are we giving Hashem? So Hashem describes the Hester Panim that's going to take place. And it's a very, it's a vicious process. And the, and the Chumash describes it at length. And there are several different ways of reading the Psukim. And Rashi gives us a couple of them. But just to keep it simple, we have part five where we get to the part where you're like, we're almost anticipating that things are going to get better. And all we really get is where Hashem in the song um, is described as one who is going to eventually take vengeance against the nations, right? The apparent saving grace, if any at all, is that the this the the nations of the world are uh, they're they're just going to be the worst of the two evils, right? There's Klai Israel's evil, and then there's the nations of the world's evil. The the, the one thing that we have going for us is that they're just going to be so much worse than us. They're not going to re- they're not going to recognize that we only were suffering because of our own sins, and because they don't recognize that, and they continue to do things that they shouldn't do, so they're going to get punished only because they were worse than us. And Hashem says He's going to avenge the blood of Klai Yisrael. The, you know, not meaning those of Klai Yisrael who end up falling, so their blood will be avenged, right? And that doesn't sound. I mean, I, I guess it sounds better than nothing, I guess, right? You know, if, 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 I, if I knew, I could, if I could rest assured that my blood will be avenged if uh, something should happen to me. So, like, for some reason, I don't feel so assured. I don't feel so encouraged. I don't feel so happy. Because what it sounds like is, yeah, things are just going to get so bad. Everyone's going to hit rock bottom. But don't worry, Hashem will make sure to slap the enemy. Um, you know, too. Like you know, that they're also going to get hit. So, what is what exactly is that supposed to do for us? So again, we have this introduction of how Shmaim and Arts are listening to the song. They're going to be the witnesses that we were warned. Then we have the origins of the Bnei Israel from the time of creation. We have how Hashem had done so many good things for us. Yet we betrayed Him. Therefore, Hashem hid His face from us. But don't worry, Hashem will come back and He'll avenge our blood. He'll clean up the mess after. Don't worry. So, at first glance, it really does not. The, the song of hope that we were hoping for, in fact, is not so hopeful. And we were kind of hoping for something else. So, what can we do with this? Right, like, now what? And this is the song, mind you, that Moshe Rabbeinu said that you should take it seriously, that in fact you should mind it. You should really, you know, you, you, should, you should take it seriously. And apparently it's not, it's, you know, it's not just empty words. It's not just lip service. It's not scare tactics. I'm not trying to scare you, but just take it seriously because it's real. Right? We can, we can get this from the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu um, does not speak to the Bnei Israel directly, but he speaks to Shemayim and Aretz. It's almost like, you know, you can, you can give somebody Musr, you can warn someone, but 
they might not take it seriously until they see you talking to someone else about it. Right? They hear the eavesdrop or they overhear um, you speaking to someone else about, oh yeah, this person's going to really get it if they don't do the right thing. So yeah, that's kind of something that you start to take seriously. But why isn't it reassuring? Why don't we get something more reassuring? So the perhaps Pashup Shad answer is, yeah, in a certain sense, it's, it's not so reassuring. Hashem's not going to stand here and tell us that everything is going to be okay, you know, um, irrespective of how we act, that, that, that there will, in fact, be retribution. You know, if there's one thing that we can rely upon, right, it's the fact that Hashem is judging the world. And this is something that we spoke about, a little bit about in Muslim Minutes when we were talking about um, yadi, um, the, the basis for the line in V'chol um, the opening line, which says, um, Hashem has mishpat in his hand. And if there's one thing that we know for sure, it's that Hashem is, is in charge of the world. And that means that when people do the wrong thing, there will be punishments. And not that we're all destined to do the wrong thing. We all have free choice. And if we do take the song seriously, maybe we won't have to worry. Right? And maybe that's the point. Right? The song of hope Right, the aspect of hope is not just that regardless of what we do, everything's gonna be okay. Because Hashem's not gonna Hashem's not gonna reassure us of that. Because why should that be true? If you go through life saying, Oh yeah, Hashem is loving and he's kind and he's forgiving, and therefore, you know, you know, we don't have to worry. You know, um, all you have to do is is, is is just believe and that's it. So that's a joke. Right And Hashem is not going to tell us that. Everything's just going to be okay just because. You can't just do the wrong thing. You can't just serve a Vodazara and then expect that Hashem is going to not do something bad to you. And so Hashem is not going to just reassure us that because, uh, because we are His nation, uh, because you know, we're, we're, we're um, Jewish by blood, that, um, that, that our blood is not going to be spilled. So, yes, you have to do the right thing. That's the first step. And if we do the right thing, then all the unpleasant parts of the song don't have to take place. Right? But again, Hashem's not going to just tell us that everything's going to be okay when what we are doing is not okay. But, again, what we, what we still see is that Hashem is the one that's in charge of the world. And perhaps we find a little bit of comfort in one aspect of the song where when we finally realize that, that we had sinned against Hashem, so in, in, in Shiras Hazinu, there's some very powerful words. Let me just find them for you. Yeah, and here is the line. We find it in Pasuk Lamites, where Hashem, or Moshe Beno, in the voice of Hashem, says, See that I, I am the one, and there is no God with me. I'm the one that causes death. I'm the one that causes life. I'm the one that puts someone in harm's way. And I'm the one that heals. There is no one that could escape from my hand. What that means is that Hashem has his hand grasped around the world and everything that happens in it. And if there's one comfort, it's that Enod Milvado. That if you weren't sure what's the right or wrong thing to do, if you weren't sure... What you can rest assured with is the fact that Hashem is the one that's in charge. And therefore, no one's saying that we have to be perfect. But if we dedicate our lives to Hashem, meaning giving Hashem the very best that we can, then, ani ani hu, he's the one, enod milvado. We don't have to, you know, like, be, uh, the, the simple message of this song is be on Hashem's team. 
You know, if not for the fact that we owe it to him, that he's our father, he takes care of us, he does everything for us. If not for that fact alone, but the fact that he's the all-powerful one, the one who's in control of everything. Be on Hashem's team because it's the smart thing to do, not just because it's the right thing to do. But that's what the song reassures us of. Right? And then it means uh, the, song, the, the song itself is not helpful um, insofar as we don't do the last part that Moshe Rabbeinu says of taking the song seriously. Right, like, 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 meaning, the the song is not just you know. Oh, okay, there's going to be all you know, unconditional, happy go lucky, hunky dory. Everything's going to be okay. Will there be a geula? Of course, there's going to be a geula, but it doesn't just mean that Hashem won't have expectations of us, and that those expectations won't um, lead to consequences for doing the wrong thing. Right? Like, a person has to try his best. And when Moshe Rabbeinu says, take this song seriously, that's, that, what he's saying is, yeah, like, what I'm, what I'm telling you is real. And if you take the song seriously, then there'll be a source of hope there. The hope is in the fact that if we do take it seriously, then we're going to do well. Right? So, you know, it's, it's a very similar way of thinking about the Yom Noraim. Right? The Yom Noraim, on the one hand, they are, they are scary, and on the other hand, they are encouraging and reassuring. They're days of simcha. The reason is that we have faith that Hashem will accept our tshuva, but that only happens if you take it seriously. Right? Like, it, it, it's such a fascinating um, enigma, almost a paradox, the, that we have these Yamim Norayim. Because, the, uh, again, on the one hand, the Yamim Norayim are, are, are scary, but they're really they're happy, but only for the people that are scared. Because right, if you have a complacent approach to the Yom Noraim, like, oh yeah, listen, Hashem is forgiving, Hashem understands. You know, if you go into the Yom Noraim saying, yeah, listen, listen, Hashem's a good God, He's, you know, He and I are tight, He's my Father, you know, whatever I did, He's going to forgive it, and I don't have much to worry about, right? Like, he, if, if the God I believe in is the God that I believe in, then everything should be okay. Right? And if you go into the Yom Noraim like that, with, the, with that kind of complacent attitude, without thinking about honest and genuine teshuvah, if you are not shaken and scared and stirred into doing real um, heartfelt teshuvah, then you don't have that relationship with Hashem where everything is tight and everything is going to be okay. Unless, if you take it to heart, if you are really feeling it when you're diving and you're really devoting yourself and you really care, and then you really do tshuva out of the fear that you have, not just the fear of punishment, but, but the fear, the awe of the days, the awe of the relationship with Hashem, the awe and understanding of what our actions, what, what impact they have on that relationship with Hashem and on the world at large. So when you have that, then, 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 that, then you get to the next step. Then the Yom Noraim are happy days. And... And, and the the idea, once again, is that, yes, for those who are scared, then these are happy days. And the, the, the hope of Shiraz Hazinu is exactly that. That at the end of the day, Hashem is the one that's in, con- in control of the world. He's the one that's in charge. And with all the unpleasantness that we might experience in this world, we realize that there's another world. We realize that there's a Geula. And the Shira Sazinu does not have to talk about that. Shira Sazinu is more focused on what's happening in this world. And in this world, Hashem will always get the last laugh. Klai Yisrael will be avenged no matter what.
But that alone should not be the thing that reassures you. Because once again, the bloodbath of Kalal Yisrael is not something that should be reassuring, even if Hashem is going to clean up the mess after the fact. The thing that should reassure us is that if we take the song seriously, the way Moshe Rabbeinu is describing it to us and telling us and urging us to do so, then we will be in line, we will be on the direction, on the Derech HaEmes, that understands that whatever happens in the world, good or seemingly bad, Hashem is the one that's in charge of all of it, and therefore that behooves us to do our best, our very, very best, to be on Hashem's team in all of this. That yes, we should be scared by Shiraz Hazinu, and in that, in that Fear, we should not be frozen and paralyzed, but in that fear, we should be able to find hope. In that awe of, of, of the realization that no one escapes from Hashem's hand when Hashem is judging the world. So in that awe and in that fear is where we should find the hope. The hope of being able to shape ourselves up and to serve Hashem in a most ideal way. And that's really what Shiraz Hazinu is largely about. Okay, and so Bezras Hashem, next time we will pick up with Parshas Vezos Habracha, the final Parsha, and seemingly uh, the final Parsha panorama. I want to wish you an absolutely wonderful Shabbos and stay tuned for some Sukkot content here at the database. But in the meantime, have a wonderful Shabbos and thank you as always for joining us here at the database.